Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined as usual by David Hartrick. Apologies once again for the lack of podcast last week. I'll, I'll get into why that was later, I think. Um, but we're back to review... Let's be honest, mainly one game, the loss to Watford, but also touching on the, the loss to Sheffield United because we haven't spoken since the international break. Back-to-back defeats, Dave, and probably when you looked at those fixtures on paper, not a huge surprise that they've come out of those games without any points, but that isn't really any comfort, is it? No, and like you, you would expect them to lose these games, but they've had moments in the games where they've looked all right. You know, I thought the first, first really half an hour against Watford, I thought they actually looked good. But they've just—it's like the same old problems, isn't it? It's difficult to keep coming up with, with, uh, yeah, it's difficult to come up with new things to say. That's one of the things we're struggling with, in truth, because it's it's really difficult as an analyst to say well I've, you can see this this and this because i mean you can see it you don't need me or steve to tell you what the issues are you can see it then they're, they're attacking wise they're just not good enough yeah i think part of it obviously we had the they, they took a very conservative approach before the break and then they continued that against sheffield united which i think is fair enough for that one fixture because they're a way to arguably the best team in the league them and Burnley are, when you look at all the numbers mm-hmm. and the league table the you know, league table isn't lying those two are, are miles ahead of everyone else mm-hmm. so you know I don't blame them at all for parking the bus away at Bramall Lane um, they they did try I wrote a piece before the Watford game saying I understand that approach there and that approach against QPR and Swansea because the injuries they had but now they need to take the handbrake off and by that I didn't mean going, you know, balls to the wall, 100 miles an hour, playing a 2-3-5. I just meant take more control of the game, get your foot on the ball a bit more, try and dominate the possession, try and play the game on your terms rather than just sit, sitting back and letting the opposition play to you and just hoping to defend everything you can, which is what they'd done previously. Um, and they did that against Watford. At, at halftime, they had... <laughs> there was some I wrote after the game saying they dominated the game and lost anyway and by that I meant it as a criticism you know yeah. it was this is this is the best they can do and they've still lost but some people were saying how can you say they dominated the game it's like well half time it was 63% possession by the end of the game I think it was 56% mm. they had um more shots pretty much any number that you can look at they came out on top except for the one that matters which is the the scoreline and obviously the XG because they're dominating the ball in that game. They're dominating the possession. They're getting into really good um, positions. And I thought, I thought Jack Rodoni's game basically summed it up for town where he was, had really promising moments. He would beat his man. He'd do so well in the build up to get into the final third, get to around the box. Um, And in some regards was his best performance in a, in a town shirt. But then in other regards, it's, 
it's uh, not enough because he then gets to the edge of the box and and they do nothing with it. And that's not me having a go at Jack Rodoni because it was the whole team that did it. But I think he's sort of best mm. exemplified where they are at the moment. That they're doing all right in two thirds of the pitch and then uh, absolutely hopeless in the final third. And when you do that against a team like Watford, who are so quick, so good on the counter attack so good going forward, you're going to get punished. We've seen it against Sunderland, seen it against Blackburn, we've seen it against Sheffield United, we've seen it against Watford. Mm. These are all games that Town should have got something out of. And it's almost more frustrating, I think I put this in the piece after the game, it's almost more frustrating for me that they actually played pretty well against Watford and it still was nowhere near good enough and they end up on the end of a comfortable 2-0 loss. That is almost worse for me than if it was just Watford turned up and were irresistibly good and beat them 3-0. Mm. Um, because, you know, at least then we could say, well, there's room for improvement. Watford are a good team. Instead, we're sitting there going, well, that's the best they can do yeah. and they're losing. Yeah, I think the thing is that Watford had a good long look at them for half an hour and I thought Town were okay, but then Town were getting lots of bodies into good areas and pushing high, but Watford just went, well, all our really good attacking players are high up the pitch, so why don't we just go long and bypass Town's midfield, which is what they did, and then they turned them round and it, they were they were really hurting them. And the, it, It's the same old thing, it's... Town are pretty good defensively. I know they've just lost two games, but defensively I don't have like major worries. I'm not sat here panicking like we were at one point this season, but they're mm. just not creative enough. They don't take anything like enough risks. They still, midfielders are very hesitant to, to play on the front foot and get balls going forward. And yeah, it just... I said to you on Saturday, and I'll say it on here, it, it does feel like a personnel problem to me, but a lot of people think that's in the dugout. I don't. I think it's... it's They just... They haven't got the players. Because we sort of know what all of those players can do now, you know, including Sorber, who I think is the, the pick of what they've got available now. The problem is, if we know that, opposition analysts know that, and Town are just suddenly very, very easy to play against. And... The other thing about them being uh, struggling creatively is another thing I discussed with you on Saturday. They, it makes it so difficult for their strikers or whoever gets a chance because they know they have to take it because there might not be another one in the game. Town just don't create enough chances. So every single one, even if it looks easy or it's you know very decent XG, the pressure on every single one just builds and builds and builds. And that's not helpful either. So yeah, it's 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 not good, is it, at the moment, Steve? Not at all. I mean, some people will question. I think why we're talking about them being better defensively, but I think for me, it's it's quite plain that they're much better organised. Mm. The reason that they're still conceding goals is because they are they're not getting into game situations where they can sit back and defend a lead because mm. they're just not taking leads. And we, you know, we we know from that QPR game, for instance, the Millwall game that this is a side that is now capable of defending a lead if they take it. It's not like earlier in the season where they were routinely conceding twos and threes yeah. pretty much every game. Yeah. Their, their defensive record and their XG against is, is vastly improved. It's like half a goal a game. But if you're not scoring and going ahead, then you can't sit back and manage a game. And 
Town are the inferior side in most games they're playing. If they want to get into a position, you know, Fotheringham saying he wants them winning ugly. You know, we don't. He admits we don't have the quality, but we need to find other ways to win. But you can't find ways to win if you're not taking the lead. Yeah, um, I agree. Set pieces are, are drying up as well. Um, I think some of the they've had a bit of bad luck with that. I think there's been some games where Sober's not been on it, but I think there's been other games where he has been on it, and they've just they've not applied the final touch for whatever reason. Um, but I think the great hope. Uh, coming back from the break was Tino Andrian, wasn't it? It was, well, we'll have Tino back. And even if noth- ev- everything else fails, even if he only does it every two or three games, he will do something. Um, and we saw that earlier in the season mm. when they were scoring goals. And, you know, when they were scoring goals under Danny Schofield, they were conceding twos and threes, but they were at least, they weren't drawing blanks very often. But they had Tino Andrian then. They had Pat Jones coming into the side. And Ward and Rhodes were both actually putting chances away which they're no longer doing and this is where we're saying that the this is where you and i are saying we don't think the issue is in the dugout personnel wise we think it's the attacking players we think it's the front line instead because i i'm not sure that the setup was wrong against watford or against sheffield united you know it took it took watford into the second half before they took the lead um sheffield united yeah it was earlier on but Town were firmly on top in the second half and, and were pushing and dominate again, same as the Watford 90 minutes, yeah. dominating the possession, dominating the territory, getting into good positions, and they just weren't creating any chances. Um, I mean, where are we on, on Mark Fotheringham? I think we, we're of a mind, but can we make a, a case against him first of all before we <sighs> then explain why we're against that? The thing is, I think... You look at what he's been working with, particularly before the World Cup break, um, and what he got out of them and the results he got, and I think there was a lot of positives to be taken. I think there was a lot mm. there you could you could point to and say, okay, um, he might be good. My, my problem with him right now is I think he might be good, but I, I don't really know because I just, I think yeah, without... Same. Some of the players he's got missing have been massive, and a lot of players he's got coming back... You know, we know how football works. You can't just come straight back into a team and you're at your 100% best straight away. It, it takes a while. But the other side is that I, I just I just don't think the squad or the team are good enough. I think he needs... I think he needs recruits. You know, Town did their summer recruitment for a manager who left a month before the season. They then had to switch tacks and try and do a little bit of recruitment for a bloke they were going to hope they were hoping more than anything it was going to provide a bit of continuity but obviously wanted to do his own thing as well then that ship steered off course and they're now with Mark Fotheringham who has been honest enough to say this isn't the football he wants to play you know he's we've been in press conferences Steve where he said this isn't what he wants to do this isn't his football but it's very much horses for courses at the moment and the problem is the the more you look at it and the more you look at the fixtures they've got coming up and and how thin that squad is and some of their options are it just it just feels like the horses he has for the courses aren't really good enough and that that's an issue <laughs> i think i think we're slightly contradicting ourselves here in that when danny Schofield went you and i were not against his dismissal because we were saying the players oh, yeah. they've got are better than this yeah. and they should be doing better so are we 
how are we not contradicting ourselves now by saying actually with Mark Fotheringham he's not just got he's just not got the players because I, I think for a start you didn't have the levels of injury that mm-hmm. that Mark Fotheringham's had to deal with. I think for a second he wants to play in a different way. He wants to play a different yeah. style. So you need, you know, that squad was. Uh, Danny's raid was one of underperformance with those players playing the way that he wanted them to play. But now you've got somebody yeah. who wants them to do a different thing and wants them to play a different way. And to be frank, you need. If you look at the. If we take the strikers, for example, what Carlos Corbran wanted out of his striker to what Danny Schofield wanted out of his striker. They were different, but they were fairly similar. Whereas what Mark Fotheringham wants out of his striker is his striker to be a striker. He wants yeah. somebody to finish chances. He wants, ideally, he said, you know, he wants to play a two-up top. He he wants a poacher and somebody who's capable of sort of scoring from anywhere. Whereas before, you know, like Danny Ward does certain things brilliantly well, Steve. How many times have we sat here and praised him but would you say he's a proper number nine, finish every chance he gets, you know, always in the sex yard box hunting? No, he's not. And that's kind of what I think Mark Fotheringham, if he could sort of put Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes into that machine out of the fly and have whoever emerged be 21 years old, (laughs) I think he'd have his sort of perfect striker but he hasn't and uh, you know you look at Simpson we've we've barely seen him could he do the job I don't know I don't know if he's the perfect fit either and I think you've got a lot of compromises with what Mark Fothering wants to do all over the pitch really and that's that's why I it's I do understand exactly what you're saying about the contradiction thing but I just think Mm -hmm. it's because the 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 plan has changed you know yeah, I was asking as devil's advocate because for me, as I've touched on, you look at the players that, you know, when you when you go on FB ref and you look at the players that are creating chances, the players that are beating players, the players that are getting balls into the box, the top of the list are um, Pat Jones and Tino Andrea, yeah. who are players that Mark Fotheringham has not had and who Danny Schofield had almost throughout. Jones less so, but at least he had him a bit. Tino, he played pretty much every game for him. Dwayne Holmes was on was actually creating chances earlier in the season, which he isn't now. Uh, and as you say, the strikers, actually, I think Ward and Rhodes are, when you look at the numbers previously, the, the, the finishing stats, both of them had excellent stats that were up there towards the top of the division um, last season, particularly Ward. But you look at, the number of you know his performance against XG last season, I think Ward yeah, was really. 20 20 percent over really his XG, yeah, yeah. and now he now he's about thirty percent under. Yeah. So he's and he wasn't like that at the start of the season. Ward and Rhodes, when we started this season, those were the two players who we were saying actually they've started the season well because um, both of them scored pretty much all of their goals in those first few games of the season. Since Fotheringham's taken over, Jordan Rhodes has scored once, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Danny Ward has scored once, and that's it. So I, I, I think that there will be some people who will say they, you know, it's on Fotheringham to get an attacking performance out of his side as much as a defensive one, and that is correct. Um, but... I think he is correct that there are lots of games where they've created those chances, including the Watford game, by the way, with that miss at the end. And I know it would have been a meaningless meaningless goal anyway because it was the 95th minute and you're 2-0 down. But Jordan Rhodes missing that chance. You can't tell me that six months ago Jordan mm. Rhodes 
Oh, seven months ago, Jordan Rhodes misses that chance off that knockdown from Tyree Simpson, which I know most of you won't have seen because you'd all left the ground. Um, but, um, you know, he's, he's... So, I think, at the very least, I think Fotheringham deserves a, a transfer window to try and get some players in and see if he can make a difference with them. Um, but the message is that there is zero finance mm. for them to work with which I think we can take as, like, in a best case, it's we need to sell to buy. Um, he had said he's going to sign Florian Camberry. I don't know if that's still on the table or not. I'm not sure he solves loads of the issues anyway. Um, but it's a very, very, very tough situation now. I think I think one thing they desperately, desperately need is they need, uh, they need a passing eight. They need, uh, like... They need the player that Jack Rodoni could be in like two years' time, but isn't yeah. right now. They need like a sort of an athletic, forward-looking, forward-passing player because they're still one of the things that drove me mad during Carlos Corbran's time. And one of the things, you know, this isn't isn't talking after that. One of the things I talked about at length on this pod, even when times were good is that Town, were, they were never a side who created lots of chances. They were always looking to create specific chances. And I feel like there's sort of almost an element of muscle memory in that they still feel like a side who never, they never create anything through the middle. When was the last time you saw a Town striker like truly one-on-one through the middle? Or, you know, there was a great little passage of play on the edge of the six yard on the edge of their penalty area and you know it slipped someone free one on one with a keeper. Mm. And the issue is we know that Mark Fotheringham is trying to get his team to create those chances. He he's trying. But like Etin Kamara, brilliant player, but clearly a six, not an eight. You know, we yeah, he wasn't great the other day, was he? We know what Jonathan Hogg is at this point, and I thought, yeah. you know, I thought Hoggy was brilliant against Watford. I, you know, I thought he was he emerged from that really well. First first half in particular, yeah, I yeah, thought he absolutely ran the show. I thought he was excellent, but he's not a passing eight. I don't think Jack Rodoni can do that job right this second. We know John Russell is way down the pecking order because he's just not quick enough. They, they and and not mobile enough. No. I mean, on on John Russell, anyone who's saying who's hearing, we need a passing eight and thinking we'll get John Russell back in. Um, <laughs> I went to see him play for the B team over the break, and let me tell you, that is not a player who is interested. No, no. <laughs> I, so I think there's reasons for that, and that's absolutely fine. But I think. That's a, that's a big issue for me. I think they do need a striker. They've got a striker coming in. Is it the one we need? I don't know. <laughs> I've no idea. I've got no opinion on on Camberry. Camberry, whatever is. How do you pronounce it? Camberry. Camberry. Yeah. Um, I've got no real opinion because I haven't really got enough of an evidence base to have much of an opinion. I've seen him play live once, and I didn't make a single note. So I, I don't know. You know, we'll see on that one, but. It just, yeah, it, it's it's really tough at the moment because the, the, the obvious answer here, Steve, and there will be people listening to this who will, would want to put this straight to us, so I'm going to put it straight to you then. If you haven't got those personnel available, why don't you just play to the strengths of the personnel you've got? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a case for a 4-2-3-1 now, um, but then it's with, with Diara probably as the 10. Mm. Um and Hogg and one of Kasumo Kamara holding. I think 
I think they're missing a proper right back. I think ideally you'd like to have Sorba playing on the wing rather than at wing back. Yeah. But I I think he doesn't particularly. I think Spencer, it's a bit too soon for him. And Kane Cassaden has been very inconsistent. I don't think there's entirely um, trust there on him to play as a as a right back. Um, I, I'm not really sure why he's playing Ruffles instead of Ben Jackson at the moment. I think Ruffles has had some good games. I think he's improving, but I still don't think he does enough going forward to justify. He do- I, And I don't think he's so good defensively that it justifies it. He doesn't. And, and Jackson's been really good this season, but I thought when Jackson came on against Watford, I thought he looked all over the place. Yeah, okay. So, um, but... But then it's like, we've tried so many different systems and we're getting the same yeah. result, is the thing. And like, again, when you've sort of, you've tried everything, they tried to have some consistency with the 4-5-1. The, the they then had to, because of injuries, go to the 5-4-1, the which mm. is, you know, which then became more of a 3-4-3 three, three against Watford. Um, but whatever everything they're doing is just not working. They've tried to be a counter-attacking side that has less of the ball, mm. and they're not scoring from that. Yeah. They've then tried, and admittedly, we're talking about one game here against a very good Watford side, but um, they've then tried to dominate the game against Watford. They did it in the second half against Sheffield United as well, and they've got into, again, got into those positions. They've tried to be the team that controls the play and they're not creating chances from that either Um, you know they've been through two head coaches already um, and I think when you look at you also when you say play to the strengths I think the big strength in this team is the goalkeeper and the centre-backs who genuinely are are all top half players Um, and so three at the back seems sensible but um yeah, but this is the thing we can we can try and work out a team or try and find a new system. But you're then we're constantly making making claims like, well, you could get Diara in there and he could make a difference, or you could put Rudoni in a different role and he'll make a difference, or you can move Sorba further up the field and he'll make a difference. And these are all, one; these are all things that have been tried and haven't particularly worked. And two, you're asking an awful lot of players like Jack Rudoni and yeah. Brahim Diara yeah. who have never played. You know, never played football at this level before. Yeah, and that—that's why I think, as I said, you know, I'll come back to what I said before. I do think it's a personnel problem, but I don't think it's a personnel problem in the dugout. I think they need, like, weirdly, I don't think you're talking about like a sort of a, a mass turnaround in the first eleven. I don't think you need to go and get like five or six, but I think there's a couple of positions, like you say. I think a right back. You, you, we're not getting the best out of Sorber at the moment, except on a dead ball, and we know yeah. he can offer more. So I think you you can get a player in who can allow that in certain systems. I think that passing eight is key because there's just no one in the squad doing that job, and there's no one trying to there's no one trying to pick the lock through the middle, and it just makes Town really really easy to play against because all they have to do then is just they can afford to sort of move their centre-backs, sand them a little bit wider or bring their midfielder back in to split them. And that's town pretty much covered because you've then got the yeah. overlaps out wide. And it, it, this is the thing about making them easy to play. So I think that's that's uh, that's an issue. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult because 
exactly as you've just said far more eloquently we can make all the cases in the world for this that and the other but you know ultimately i do think it comes down to needing a couple of couple of new players in one of them being a striker which they already have effectively through the door which is great and you know if that's the player they think they need and they've got that business done early that's that's really good i take my hat or at least or at least fotheringham said that he intended to sign him whether that's then changed yeah who knows but uh, this is it we've we've run out of we've spent a lot of the season saying when they get Tino back when they get Brahima in yeah. when they get Pat Jones in when they get Rudoni up to speed like it's all sort of when this happens when this happens when this happens and we've now run out of players to yeah. keep saying that about yeah. <laughs> you know why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I do. The one thing I would say, we need to talk a little bit the other way and just say if there is any green shoots. I, I do think Pat Jones is a huge player in yeah, in terms of when when I, I looked at the stats for Tino for what he could bring to the team and for Diara and Pat Jones is ahead of both of them. It's yeah. a very tiny sample, but he was. Oh, his stats are quite tasty. And I'm not for a second trying to load like saving a team from relegation onto the shoulders of a young lad who's hardly played any championship football. It's more from the point of view of he does things nobody else in the squad does. So when you when you suddenly don't have that player, it's a bit like it's coming back to the Dwayne Holmes argument. It's all right playing Dwayne Holmes out wide, but you know exactly what you're going to get from him and what you're going to get from him can be provided by other people as well. So it's almost like flip of a coin do you have him there or do you have your other option in there which is why Dwayne just doesn't feel essential in any way to me at the moment and like I do think Pat Jones is that player that is a difference maker and in some of these tighter games and in some of these games where there's just not like a great body of evidence for the sort of analysts to nail exactly what you've got to do to stop him either so I I just think Mm -hmm. he's a big miss I do think it's easy to write, you know, the the new striker off as as I know some people have online. Yes, we do check Twitter. Yes, we do know what some people have said about him, but you just don't know. Sometimes, you know, under certain managers at certain clubs, strikers do flourish. I would argue. Look at Danny Ward last season <laughs> uh, for for mm. your evidence of that. So I do. I don't. I'm not sitting here going everything's a total write off. They've got to rip everything up and start again. But I just think what is clear is that. If Mark Fotheringham is going to get no help in that January transfer market, there's always going to be whatever happens in the future as regards Mark Fotheringham. I'm always going to sit here and say to people who are shouting at me that he's rubbish, I'm just going to sit there and say, I just, I don't think anybody could. I, I, I don't think there's many could get an uplift without some fresh faces through the door, put it that way. And it's. No. It, there's there's a run of games coming up that really are like every single one of them feels like a six pointer. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a li- I'm a little bit once bitten twice shy here as well because yeah we gave we gave Carlos an awful lot of grief yeah 
um a couple of years ago and it turned out he was all right <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> and it was the personnel but to talk about corbin for a minute i mean a lot of people know i'm not i'm not a bigger believer as some but what he got them to do last season was just be the the fittest and most organised side in that division, yeah. and because it was a which is what Fotheringham's trying yeah, to do too. Because it was a slightly weird league last year, they that took him a hell of a long way. The optic of Carlos going into West Brom and them suddenly winning five in a row, etc., doesn't look great. You know, it, it's sort of almost like a a lot of people are using it as a black mark against Mark Fotheringham, which I don't quite get really. Bear in mind, he it's not like. <laughs> It's not like they went, oh, we'll get rid of Carlos because we've got the man here. It, that wasn't how it went. But like Carlos has got a really good squad there and he's got them performing as they should be performing. They've got some brilliant players. It's just, It just feels like every single optic at the moment is against Huddersfield Town one way or another, doesn't it? And it, it's, I'm not defending them when I say that by any stretch because we are going in on them here. But it just feels like they, they've just got absolutely no luck anywhere at the minute but i i think sometimes you have to buy your luck steve yeah they're they're yeah they're making their own look like we can't we can't say it's luck when it happens as often as it has yeah, done this season. exactly because i i put in the you know in the conclusions i came up with a list of i think it was six or seven games where you're going oh well if they have a bit of luck then then they get something out of that game and when it's as many as that and the only one that you've got to the contrary really um is um is qpr um yeah yeah it's not luck. it's not luck at that point is it no it's not luck so yeah yeah and it, it's i'd love to be a bit more positive about this and i'd love to feel like I, we we have tried on this podcast steve to to be as analytical as possible and not be emotional about things but it kind of feels a bit emotional at the moment because there does just feel to be a little bit of gloom and doom around that first team at the minute it feels like they can't get their heads above the clouds at the minute and yeah it's it's difficult to defend anything other than lee nichols and the defense really and of course there's there's things off the field as well there's lots of rumors around particularly the dean hoyle phil hodgkinson part of the takeover uh which is still yet to complete um we're not completely ignorant to those rumors and i've written about this a little bit in the fire conclusions we're not being willfully turning a blind eye we're not trying to protect the club by not reporting anything the issue we've got dave is that as you know everything that we're hearing is second hand or third hand it's all contradictory it all changes on a sort of day-to-day week-to-week basis and for us as a newspaper and as a you know a news outlet there is not enough sort of truthiness there for us to run it as though it was well, no, fact. None of them stand up to scrutiny at the moment. <laughs> so, and we can't, you can't report. It's, these aren't transfer rumours. These are big, legal, important things covered by NDAs, aren't they? It's not. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, it's you know, there may well be truth in, in this, that or the other. And I'm not saying there is, but there could be. But the the point here is that in terms of going to a primary source they can't talk about it yeah. to us because it's all it's all legally tied up as you say it's ndas um it's it's just that kind of process and would be for any business yeah the thing is we need to address some of the things and i think i think what you have to understand is that like I, 
and this is the phrase I've used with you, Steve. Steve has to deal in concrete. If it's not concrete, he can't deal in it because that's 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 where the line is for the newspaper. But that's across all reporting, not just like football reporting. So there there is effectively no news, but there are a hell of a lot of rumours coming out. And I, you know, mm-hmm. people talk to me, people send me stuff, people ask me stuff, and I can only tell them you know what i'm allowed to say which is is i have no idea what's going on at the moment what i think is clear steve and what i think i can say i wouldn't ask you to say this but what i think is clear is i don't think this is going to be a quick process i think some people were thinking that even though dean said in his notes he was going to fund the club as long as you know as long as it took and it was a long-term process to get the right man etc or right right person I think it's fairly clear already that 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 process is going to be a long one because it is difficult to sort various things out and there's a lot of moving parts and there's there's different groups of people involved here as well which I I don't think is you know I'll go on record and say I don't think that's helping the situation at all because you've not got what I think the fans are slightly reacting to and where some of the rumors are coming from and I'll be honest, I think it's absolutely fair enough, is that it's it's difficult to feel like there's a singular voice controlling things. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, that that makes life very, very complicated. It's it's Well the, the the two owners of the club are both in absentia. Yes. And the managing director who's been appointed to run the club is on top of running the club trying to deal with the ins and outs of two takeovers. Yes. Um so there there isn't a lot of room left there for communication and even if there was as dave baldwin warned us a lot of the stuff that's going on is stuff that they they can't talk about anyway legally even if they wanted to but that is an issue in itself for the fans because there is no feeling of of leadership that's not to say there is no leadership but it's important for the fans to feel that there is leadership behind the scenes and there is no sense that that is the case particularly when you've then got the head coach coming out and saying we've got no finance for the January transfer window when they're bottom of the league and desperately need signings Um, it all feels very uh, rudderless and and it's you know it's this is we you and I were talking off mic and we were talking about Fotheringham and some of the reaction to him and and I said to you like I think fans generally speaking like to have someone to blame um for the ongoing situation but it's quite difficult for like I think Fotheringham has ended up as the lightning rod for a lot of that because Hoyle's absent Hodgkinson's absent uh Baldwin is someone they've barely seen um and even Lee Bromby who was getting most of the flat before when you're then coming out and saying, well, he's got no money for January, it, it removes the weight from him and it leaves Fotheringham as, as the target. But I think that that is in itself an issue. You know, I think the fans, the fans want to feel like there is some visible work going on to try and ensure that this club is going to stay in the division. Yeah. And even if that's happening, there is no one there to express that that is, is happening at the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That That's that's the issue. And I think, like, after the game, it got quite brutal on, on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else because that sort of very vocal minority 
took over and you're exactly right i think mark fotheringham is a lightning rod you know because i i would challenge these people to say who comes in and suddenly gets a consistent uplift out of these players you may get the new manager bounce for a couple of games but there are fundamental problems with that squad not just oh get carlos corbran back and everything would be all right we'll finish mid-table but yeah the takeover side of things is just it feels messy and fans don't want big important things like the future of their football club to feel messy and that is absolutely fair enough as well, should I just say. You know, I, yes. I'm not... When we're talking about a vocal minority, the mi- we're saying the minority that is vocal, not that their sentiment is the minority. No, no, not at all. You know, like we may not be Huddersfield Town fans, but we've talked about being investor neutrals before. We don't want it to be messy either, do we, Steve? This is this is the thing. We <laughs> no. it, it, It's... The nature of it is what is starting to grate on people. And the thing is, you know, again, I'm happy to go on record with this. I think it's going to get worse. You know, I, th- I think it's going to get worse because I think it is going to drag on a little bit. I think there will be more rumours. I think there will be more he said, she said. There's going to be an awful long time before anybody can say anything actually on the record that matters and that counts. And that creates a vacuum and, you know, everything is sucked into a vacuum, isn't it? Excuses, rumours, half-truths, misinformation. So, yeah, it, it's 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 a horrible situation, I think, for a lot of people who are working at the club and they are trying to do their best, but they literally can't say anything at the moment. Their, their hands are completely tied. But the other side of things is I think there's people at the club who are being asked questions that they genuinely don't know any of the answers to. So it's kind of people go, well, they're not saying anything. They're not saying this. They're not saying anything because they don't know. You know, <laughs> It's not like every decision is run by everybody at the club. So it's just... But there's also, I think, the thing we have to touch on, there's also a hell of a lot of... We don't swear on this podcast, so I'm just going to say there's a hell of a lot of bull poop flying around. But it's it's just 2 plus 2 equals 27 stuff. You know, oh, that must be because mm-hmm. of this, or that must be because of that. And that is never helpful in any situation. That That really isn't. But, yeah, it's... We try to remain analytical, don't we? But we can sort of we can completely see the fans point of view on this one because it's like our hands are completely tied as well (laughs) and it's frustrating for everyone yeah big time i mean the reason we didn't have a podcast last week is because i i took some time off because my head is absolutely knackered at the moment um like it's it's not nice for me um and it's extremely stressful for me when things are as messy as they are and I'm getting notifications 24-7. I'm getting text messages, WhatsApp messages 24-7 from people um, asking me about this, that, or the other. Is this true? Is that nonsense? People having a go at me for not reporting on it. People emailing me saying, why aren't you reporting on this? Um, constant rumours flying in every direction and... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, as I say, some of it you can sort of try and piece things together and, and try and get an idea of how things stand, but not in a way where it's reportable because yeah. it's you, you, it's still your best guess. There's other things that you can dismiss outright, but you can't spend the whole day sort of chasing around every single rumour that comes up. Yeah. That's always been our way, yeah. you know? Um, otherwise, we'd never get any work done. Um, but... 
yeah, it's it's very tough at the moment. You know, it's it's and and I th- I'm not saying this to try and get sympathy. My point is more if I'm feeling the toll of this mentally to the point where I'm having, you know, my mental health is in the toilet and I'm having days off because of it then you can only imagine what some people at the club must be feeling like at the moment. Um, And again, that's not me trying to put sympathy on the club either. Um, And you can particularly imagine what the fans are feeling like, who are the people that that it affects um, most of all. So, yeah, we're completely sympathetic. And, yeah, I think we just wanted to sort of say this bit, even though we know we've not really brought you any new information here, um, just to say we're not, intentionally turning a blind eye to it or willfully try to ignore stuff or suppress stuff um and i think you know in the conclusions the one thing i can't i don't really understand the logic of is we know that the valuation of the club when they ultimately sell it um you know assuming that everything with the hodgkinson the takeover from hodgkinson gets sorted out and then dean hoyle looks to sell the club on their valuation is going to be surely and Dave Baldwin's admitted this is going to be severely affected if they go into League One. Oh yeah. So I don't, I don't understand the logic of setting a transfer budget at unless there's something that we don't know about that is preventing it, um, or there's FFP in, involvement, or there's I don't know. But the the idea that they've got a budget of zero for January as it stands. I don't understand how they wouldn't get the value back from that by keeping the club in the division. So, yeah, particularly well, when you you sort of go, even if we if they know they've got a couple of million that they want to spend next summer, spend it now. Yeah. And if you if yeah. you've got to have a dry summer, things could look very different in the summer. We don't know what's going to happen, mm. you know. But to keep that status secure, it like I don't know. It it feels. I'm the logic you. of it might it might give us a difficult season next year when you definitely <laughs> have a difficult now. season already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes it makes little sense, does it? The the th- the other thing I wanted to say though, Steve, is that I I just want to appeal to people that if it looks like crap and it feels like crap and it smells like crap, it's crap. You know that like some of the stuff I've seen flying around, it's just been as bordered on the ridiculous. And there are people out there who are kind of believing it. And I, I think that a lot of people just need to... Just need to... And we're not saying, like, trusting the process or anything like that, far from it. But I think a lot of people just need to understand that it's not a soap opera. It's a big legal issue with, you know, businessmen involved and solicitors involved. So some of the, the silly stuff I've heard... Uh, you know and some of the stuff i've seen on twitter is just just yeah just just don't even go down that route but yeah you know you've had a tough time of it i've had lots of people asking questions i know there are other people who are feeling the strain of it it's it's just i i'm just being honest and saying i I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon and i'm sort of saying that to you me and everyone else i think it's going to rumble on for a good while yet cheery stuff um i mean for all of that we've had a the the biggest i mean we've had some moan-ups on this podcast before but i think that's the biggest yeah but we have been very doom and gloom as you say you're quite right to say what are the green shoots they do have that 
the run of fixtures coming up, I think uh, Preston and Luton are not great games coming up. But but over the next two months, they have six of the seven teams directly above them yeah. in the table to play. So the reason I'm having the moan up now and wasn't a month ago like you, like most other people were is because that Watford game has really sort of flipped a switch in my head and made me go, okay, I think this is this is uh, this is doom now. But there are those big six pointers coming up, and I think there is. It's hard to summon up the feeling that they are going to win those games and get themselves out of it. But they could, <laughs> you know. I think, yeah. as as Frothingham said, those teams are all down there for reasons as well. I'm sure that if you were listening to who to be a Tiger or who to be a Miller, there <laughs> will be lots of these, a lot of these similar stories going on um, at those other clubs. And I think they, the, as I say, it's six of the the current of the seven teams directly above them, um, and. I think they need to win at least three and lose no more than one of those games. Yeah, I I completely agree. They're six pointers. Some some people weirdly I had a conversation with someone recently about this, but they weren't too sure what that phrase actually meant. And it just means that right. you you have to un- every point you take from those games is a point that your opponents don't get. You know, when they're your direct rivals, it's not just yeah. three points that you've taken off them; it's three points that they haven't got. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, I I feel like by the end of January, we could be in a very different place. And I mean that in both regards. It could be properly doom and gloom. You know, if you think this has been a bad podcast, <laughs> it could be, we could even top this record. Or we could be sitting here and saying, do you know what? They've given themselves a fighting chance. Because that's what it would be. I don't for a minute think by the end of January, they're going to be sort of out of it and... Uh, you know, everything will feel much better but what we are asking them for is to give themselves a fighting chance to give themselves something to work with because each week that ticks by that they don't it's getting harder and harder to talk about those green shoots isn't it yeah and if they do do that then we'll have nothing but praise room for doing it yeah um but uh yeah quite difficult to to see that at the moment you know fotheringham said he wants nine wins and two draws before the end of the season and when i heard him say that i just thought that's a that's a big ask it's it is a big ask and the thing is i don't think they're going to win every home game so they've got to go yeah. on the road and pick up some serious results on the road and you know what this league is like it's not easy it's not easy lovely stuff Right, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Musical recommendations to finish off, Steve. Oh, God, I've not. Do you know what? I've barely had any music on for the last uh, last couple of weeks. You you've putting me on the back foot here because I forgot that this is a thing we do. Uh, Little Sims's new album. There you go. That's a tap in. I'm going to go for Peanut Butter Blues and Melancholy Jam by Ghost Poet, which was a 2011 album. It's only 40 minutes long. It is absolutely superb. I recommend you give it a go. Came back into my life via Spotify recently, and it's just an absolute belter. Lovely stuff. Right, bye. Bye. (laughs) 